said not too long ago that I refer to myself sometimes as the, the weeping pastor, but my wife, I think, is the weeping prayer. She cries, I think, every Sunday morning, which is good. It means they're real and genuine. <clears throat> so good, as they're passing the, the plate. Um, welcome again. You guys doing good? You guys ready for the rest of service? Best part of service? Um, no, it's all good, right? I love it all. That's why I say God, I'm God's favorite, so are you. I can say worship is the best part. I can say giving God's word is my favorite. Um, it all is. Um, but there is something about God's word, right? Scripture says that it is uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will remain forever, right? That his word does not return void. And so there's just a power in God's word. And so I have just the privilege and the honor to share with you uh, what's on my heart and hopefully what's on God's heart for us this morning. Um, I was sharing with some leaders this morning that uh, uh, I listened to different podcasts and different pastors and, and kind of the right or good thing to do is right after Easter, start a new series and, and do all these things that draw people in. And so in my own brain and my flesh I'm thinking things through and then of course you know God comes in and interrupts your way of thinking and says why don't we talk about this Ryan I'm like oh that doesn't sound very encouraging that's not very fun I mean Easter was already a very uplifting uh, message where I kind of like rebuked all of us I was like okay we're done with that we did it on Easter now we go back to encouraging people and so um, God's getting his way this morning where we'll get to hear his word where it does reprove us and correct us right I love that uh, Paul says that to Timothy right that we should study God's word because it's it's profitable it's able to correct us and reprove us and, and, and do all those things. So hopefully you're here not just to get your ears tickled. You're here to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, we said on Easter, right, we are, if we're followers of Jesus, we just saying it, right? We give you our lives, God. And if we give him our lives, there's something specific that he's asking for this morning. And so we'll jump into that. Um, but before I do, it's kind of like teasing you almost. Um, before we do, just wanted to say really quick, we had such a great day yesterday. Uh, we had our very first quinceanera ever at, uh, that I can know of out here at Osborne. Um, got to lead that. So um, happy birthday, Biani Porres Zaragoza. There she is. Um, thank you, uh, Claudia, for all that you did. Make our uh, place just a beautiful place. And so we had a great time. Lots of celebration and, and good. And then if you weren't here on Wednesday, we had an incredible baptism service. Uh, I think there was eight of us that got baptized. Uh, so good, so good, so good. Um, it was oh, our last baptism service baptism service about five months ago. I kept saying that's the best one I've ever been to. I don't know how I'm going to top that. And lo and behold, like God always does, this one was just as good. And I can say it was my favorite too, right? Because I can have multiple favorites. Um, so it was, it was really good. And what I loved about it was that it wasn't just the pastor talking the whole time. That as we baptized each one of these, and a lot of them were younger kids, most of them were younger kids. And we had all the kids and all the youth and everyone was in here on Wednesday night. And we gave an opportunity as they came up out of the water um, just to spend a moment just like Jesus did, where it says the Holy Spirit descended like the form of a dove and they heard the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And I, I saw in the gospel of Luke, I know that Jesus' baptism is recorded in all four gospels, but somehow he'd missed that in, God, in Luke's gospel, he says, and when Jesus prayed, the heavens were opened and then they heard the voice. And so I linked this idea of prayer. So as they came out of the waters, we cheered for them. And then we gave them an opportunity, just on your own, just pray and thank God for what he's just done. And we're going to stretch out a hand and we're all going to be quiet, just praying for a second. And as we did, the Holy Spirit showed up. 
And it was fun to see how it wasn't just me blessing these persons being baptized, but as these young kids were getting baptized, I don't know. There was like 10, 15 young voices in the crowd. I mean, all the old voices too. I consider myself old. Even though I got rid of my beard, I'm still old. Um, but there was just, I loved hearing not just the old give words of encouragement to those that had just been baptized, but these young kids, 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds, we're saying, I see this. I think God is saying this. Or I feel this about you. And it was so encouraging to hear good words come out of our congregation to bless the children, to bless those who are getting baptized. And so on the heels of that, on the heels of hearing these good words coming out of the congregation's mouths, out of the heels of, if you remember, about a month and a half ago, uh, before Easter, beginning of Lent, I kind of challenged us to go on a negativity fast um, and so this idea of just being careful what comes out of our mouth. And I have not arrived. I wish I could say that that 40-day fast, I, I got it. Now I'm, no negative word comes out of my mouth at all. Um, I've been working on it, but I have not arrived. And so I feel like the Lord is putting his finger on some of these things again. And so the title of this morning's message is Words Matter. Words Matter. We talked about this, like I said, a month and a half ago. We said words create worlds, right? And so this is Almost a continuation of that, but it's got a different vein we're going on this morning. Uh, but this idea that the words that come out of our mouth, they matter a whole lot. Um, we know that Jesus, right, created back in Genesis chapter 1. He spoke and said, let there be, and it was created, right? And we're creating his image. So this idea, I'm not going to re-preach that whole message about our words create worlds. But there's this truth that we are created with our voices having power. The, um, uh, I love that scripture says that um, we've been given weapons to tear down strongholds. And I believe this is one of the weapons that God has given us. As we sang worship this morning, I just heard the, word, the Lord telling me, my mouth is an instrument. My mouth is an instrument. Right in that moment, it was an instrument of praise. And I pray that it stays that way all the day long, all the week long. But it's amazing how our mouths can say things that are praiseworthy and things that are not so wholesome, not so good. And so we're going to talk about some of that this morning. Um, so we'll jump in. First verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, says this. Oh, good, you got it up on the screen. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. This is the amplified version. Anytime you see scripture with brackets and a whole bunch of words that say the same thing, amplified. It's just amplifying what some of those words mean. And so I love looking at God's word in different translations. But I put this one this morning because it's kind of highlighting all those different things. Don't let unwholesome. What does unwholesome mean? Foul language, right? All these things. And so does this mean saying curse words? Yeah, it includes it in there. But I would say it means a whole lot more than that. And we're going to look at it this morning. Um, I would say growing up in a good Christian home, growing up in this church, I never really had, in any time in my lifetime, 40 some odd years I've been alive, never had a real struggle with curse words coming out of my mouth. Have I ever said a bad word? Yes, I have. Um, but is it something that I still say to this day and it's a struggle and it comes to my mind to say? No, it doesn't. It's not a struggle for me. And I love that it's not a big struggle for my kids Partly because I'll just, 
This thought came to my mind, sorry. You, you always get little random tangents. Lot, hopefully most of the time it's Holy Spirit. This one probably is just my own random tangent. Um, but I love that my kids don't really say curse words. And some of that, I'm going to give credit to my wife. Because from when they were young, they've heard this repeated several times. Anytime a curse word was heard in our home, like on TV or something, walk, someone walking by, um, what they would hear from their mother is, oh, that person, if they use a foul word, that means they're uneducated and don't have a very, a very good vocabulary. And so my kids heard that all growing up. Oh, they hear a bad, oh, that person's uneducated. That person, oh, they have a bad vocabulary. And so um, that's just been kind of how it's done in my household. Oh, you hear a curse word? Oh, that's a stupid person. Oh, not a stupid person. Um, but it just kind of seems like it's not cool, right? At school and other places, it seems cool to say a bad word. But it's been taught in our household, you're actually, you look dumb when you say a bad word, right? And so we're including that, right? Curse words. But I think there's so much more to this. This idea of vulgar, profane, worthless words coming out of our mouth. Why do I say that? This is Ephesians 4, 29? So the very next verse, if you have your Bibles in front of you, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I've heard this verse lots of times, and, I've, and it, there's a context for lots of things. We can grieve the Holy Spirit in lots of ways. But the verse before says, don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Then it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed, right, for that day of salvation. And what's the very next verse? Verse 31, get rid of all bitter words, harsh words, slander, insults, profanity. So scripture is saying, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By the words that are coming out of your mouth. You have power, not just to speak life and death, right? The scripture says that. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So there's so much power. God is saying this morning, he wants to highlight, there's some things he wants to correct. So yes, if you do, I'm not saying up here, oh, I just never cuss, so if you cuss, you're, you're a stupid person. I'm not saying this morning. I'm saying God wants to correct all of us. If you do say curse words, God wants to correct that too. But I hope he wants to do more than that just this morning. Because I feel like me saying that, just saying the S word, or whatever, all these different S words, or what, different words you can put, a, whatever. My kids, sometimes I remember my kids saying that. Oh, I heard at school, my friend said the S word. What? Dad, they called me stupid. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> different S word, okay. Um, right? There's all these different words. But I don't think this is a trite little kid message that God has this morning. He's trying to get to something deeper. And I'm hoping the Holy Spirit reveals these things to each one of us. Yes, he cares about profanity. But he cares about us grieving the Holy Spirit. Too often we just think, ah, I just let it slip out of my mouth, no big deal. Well, what if, the Holy, what, if, what if I said the Holy Spirit was in physical body form and you just slugged him in the face? Oh, I would never do that to the Holy Spirit. Well, in a sense, we've got to see how we grieve the Holy Spirit. We've got to put some meat or context that the words that come out of our mouth, they really do matter. They have a lot of power. And the Holy Spirit this morning is trying to cleanse us, but also to highlight the importance of these things. Hmm. We talked about one of the verses I read during baptism, is how this idea that it is part of our salvation to publicly profess that Jesus is Lord. You can believe in your heart. That's a great thing. Uh, Romans 10, 9 through 10, kind of echoes this idea, what I want to say. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's this linkage between what goes on in your heart and your mouth. And yet, at the same time, I'm going to show how they're actually separate things. Are they linked or are they separate? Yes, they're together. And yet, they're two different things. Salvation, according to this, is saying that you do have to believe in your heart, faith. But faith without works is dead. Faith believing something without confessing something is not the whole deal. So he's saying your very own salvation, if you just believe something but you never confess it, you won't be saved. There's something about the power of what comes out of your mouth actually is what saves you. It's also what condemns you. It's also what gives a God who is a just God the right to discipline you and to have consequences in your life. So they're linked. Many of us have heard this phrase before. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, scripture, scripture makes this clear. It's said several different times, but that's kind of the most famous one. There's a link between what we believe and what we say. The more you believe something, the more you'll talk about it. Really quick, probably not the Holy Spirit, my random tangent. If you really believe that masks do nothing, you're going to talk about it all the time. If you really believe the vaccine is good, you're going to talk about it, right? I guess now it's getting tense in the room, right? But it's all these things. The stronger you believe something, oh, you're mad about the other people who don't believe what you believe. And you talk about it all the time. I wish people were just as passionate about the vaccine or the mask. I know this is kind of old two years conversation, right? But I wish they were just as passionate about talking about that as they were about their salvation. Because the more you believe something, the more it's going to come out of your mouth. If you have little belief in God, then you're going to have little conversation about God. If you go to work and nobody knows you're a Christian, I'm just going to tell you there's a linkage to the smallness of your faith. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to point out God's word. As we talked about these missionaries we just prayed for, anytime I've met them, all they talk about, I want to know what's going on with their kids. They don't want to talk. They want to talk about Jesus. The whole, they are just these missionaries that they are so passionate and their heart is so full of affection for Jesus. They just talk about him all the time. So it's the same thing. The more you believe something, the more you talk about it, the less you believe something, the less you're going to talk about it. So there's a connection. And I'm going to say there's actually a little bit, and I'll, maybe this is stretching a little bit, there's actually something different. They are distinct things. Words that come out of your mouth and what you believe. As an example, James 2.19 says this. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I love the sarcasm. I, to me, I, I don't know if you ever read Paul, Paul's writings, but I read a lot of heavy sarcasm in it sometimes. But this is one of them. You believe there's one God? Woohoo! Good for you! Right. You got all this great belief? Even demons know that. Demons know there's a real God in heaven and he's one. Like, good for you. What are you actually doing? What's actually coming out of your mouth? Right? Demons believe. So I'm going to connect James 2.19 with 1 John 4.23. It says this. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has came in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess 
that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So demons believe that Jesus is God, but they don't confess it with their mouth. I wonder how many people call themselves Christians who believe Jesus died on the cross. They just never confess it with their mouth. Scripture's made a link. Yeah, you're just like the demons. Your belief has nothing to do with it coming out of your mouth. You can believe something and never say it, is what Scripture says. You can say something and not believe it. I mean, I, I, this carpet is red. I said it. I don't believe that. Some of us say things and we don't actually believe it. Some of us believe things and we don't ever say it. And I feel like the Lord is saying today, he wants us to take a self-evaluation. What's coming out of our mouths? Because it does represent what's going on in our hearts. Hmm. Deuteronomy, oops, my iPad just went blank. Let's see if it comes back. If not, be preaching from here. Let's see. Hey, it came back. There we go. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. It says this. The word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. God's word is easily accessible, right? You can get God's word in a physical Bible on your app. It's, it's near you. It's, it's accessible. You can get to God's word. But I love the connection that it says here. It's in your mouth and in your heart that you might be able to do it. Right, right away, I read this. I think of several verses. You should hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. There's this idea that I have to get God's word in here. But there's also, I have to get God's word in here. I won't be a doer of God's word. If all I ever do is memorize, spend time in God's word, and I memorize it, and I just put it in here, but I never actually wield it as a sword and declare it and tell the enemy, get back, or speak it to other people, right? Sharing it in a time of need. There's something that's lacking. It's got to be in here and here. And then it actually performs. God's word is effective. But it's effective when it's in me and coming out of me. I, I'm guilty of this, but I've heard pastors where they have it, the God's word coming out of their mouth, and then we find out later it isn't being lived in their internal life. And it's amazing. You can kind of sense it. And they're just, they're just reading scripture. I, I've been to people where I've been to Bible, I've been to Bible classes where they were reading scripture. Like, well, God's word is enough. That's all it is. I'm like, but yes, God's word is living and active, but it becomes active when you became a vessel who's living it out. And the reason you're sharing is because you have intimate knowledge of what that means. And I'm saying, God, I don't want to just be someone who just speaks God's word. I want to live it. But I want to be someone who just internally lives it on my own and nobody ever knows it. I want people to hear it. It's this combining together. And I feel like the Lord is saying he wants us to be preachers, not just me up here, all of us, right? You all hear all the time, we're all to be missionaries. We're all to share God's word. But we're also all supposed to learn how to preach God's word and use words if necessary, right? Live it out, all these things. But it's just this idea of being married together. Faith without works is dead. God's word without it being believed and confessed, it's not full of life like it's supposed to be. And I guess for me, I, I can look at my life and the Holy Spirit is increasing. This verse, this, this message this morning 
is God doing this more maybe than he's doing this to you guys? Because I look at my life, and even specifically this last week, I don't think one curse word came out of my mouth this whole week. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, slander did. I talked about somebody, and I was justified. What they did was wrong. But I was talking to somebody else about what they did wrong without going to them first. I don't have it here in my notes, but you know it. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I tell you, if you have anger towards your brother and you say, raka, it's this Hebrew or this phrase that means empty-headed one, idiot, stupid, whatever phrase you want to put in there, slang that we use today different than 2,000 years ago. But if you slander somebody, he says, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I tell you, if you slander somebody, you're just as guilty of experiencing the fires of hell. What Jesus is getting at is you can murder someone's reputation. You're slandering and talking about them. You are actually committing murder with that other person, saying this person, they are discredited and you shouldn't listen to them. I am more right and they're more wrong, and so I'm puffing myself up and putting them lower. And God is getting, stirring this up where I, I didn't think I'm a gossiper, but the Holy Spirit has been challenging me lately. Ryan, you don't hold back sometimes. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of the verse. I think it's Luke 12, 12. I don't have it in my notes. Sorry, I have so many... Scriptures that I had prepared, we probably want to get to all of them, and I had more that I didn't even put in there. Now it comes to my mind, of course. Um, Jesus says this. He says, when you are thrown before, when you're accused and you're um, oppressed and you're thrown before your accusers, he says this, don't worry about defending yourself. Don't worry about defending yourself, for the Holy Spirit will search your heart and then he will give you the words to say. So when someone slanders you, it's not our job to defend ourselves. But they're wrong. God is my defense. The moment I begin defending myself, I just robbed God of his own job. I, I don't want to take... <laughs> God's identity or his job of what he says is his and take it into my own hands. I've just now, where they were wrong, now I've got God's wrath against me. I'm saying, no, I'd rather just keep it all pointed toward that person, right? So I'm not going to defend myself. In fact, I'll put it this way. God is way better at defending me than I am myself. <laughs> I tell my wife all the time, I would be the worst lawyer in the world, Right? When we get into arguments, she's very articulate. She could be a lawyer. I'm like, you win. I'm like, I can't argue my point. You're so much better at explaining it than I am. I'm like, ah, I can't give a good defense. And so there's times where I'm like, God, thank God you're my defense. And I'm like everyone else in this room. You know you've had a conversation, and then 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, I could have said that. That would have been good, right? I would have put them in their place, right? And then you're rehearsing what you could have said, right? But no, I want God to be my defense. Amen. 
And Jesus says, I'm pretty sure it's Luke 12, 12. He says this. Don't defend yourself. Don't worry about defending yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and then he'll give you the words to say. It's that important thing. Sometimes I just want, oh God, give me the right zinger to give like a good comeback. He's not looking for that. The Holy Spirit wants to search my heart. He actually wants to use where that other person is wrong and accusing me. He wants to mature me and grow me up. Am I allowing that? Or am I running my mouth? Let no unwholesome speech come out of your mouth. How many, I, I'm not to raise a hand because I already know if you didn't raise your hand, you'd be a lion. How many of us have ran our mouth, right? I, and I actually was thinking about, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about when I was a kid, I used to run my mouth all the time. And then I was like, oh, yeah, maybe that was didn't completely done away with when I became an adult. <laughs> it just was more prominent and more stupid when I was a kid. Now I just like sugarcoat it a little bit. I mean, I, there's so many scriptures. James chapter three. If you haven't read that, that talks all about the power of the tongue, right? This small little thing in my mouth has more power than anything else, right? But really quick, James 3.10 says this, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Like I just said, on Wednesday, there was blessing going back and forth from the congregation to the, you know, to the baptistry. Blessing, we were blessing each other. And it's amazing how that same mouth, the very next day, can be cursing somebody. That ought not be so. All right, I don't know, I have too many scripts. I'm trying to figure out which ones I'm going to share. So I was in Luke 12, 12. Earlier on in Luke 12, Luke 12, chapter 3, Jesus says this in red letters in my Bible. Whatever you have spoken in private will be public knowledge. And what you have whispered secretly behind closed doors will be broadcast far and wide for all to hear. I just was thinking about that. We've seen that happen to politicians and famous people, right? Where it gets exposed, the things that happen behind closed doors, and we're like, oh, those stupid, evil people, right? And then we look at our own lives. Oh, I am not proving this. I'm not saying this is the correct interpretation, but just this is a what if. It says that there will be a, the judgment seat of Christ and that even the saints are going to come and give an account for their lives. I'm just wondering, what if... Every word I've ever spoken behind closed doors in private was opened up and all the angels and all the saints in heaven got to hear every word that came out of my mouth in my lifetime. What if? Sobering thought. That's Luke 12, 3. Keep going on. A few verses later, verse 8, Jesus says this, I can assure you of this, if you freely declare in public that I am the Son of God, the Messiah, then I will freely declare to all the angels of God that you are mine. But if you publicly pretend that you don't know me, I will deny you before the angels of God. That's where I get this. 
What I say publicly right now about that Jesus is Lord, I take to the bank that Jesus, when I get to heaven, he's going to say, ah, he who was proud about me on earth, I'm proud of him in heaven before all the angels of glory. But I wonder if things that I said about my fellow brother that weren't so pleasing and acceptable are going to be heard by all the angels in heaven. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I did, did, I, did it go up there, Luke 12, 12? Did it go up there? I think I did have it. I think it's next. Or is it? Or is it 12, 9? Maybe it's 12, 9. Was I wrong? 11? I'm all over the place. Luke 12, my son's back there. Put the one that says 12, 9. I may have put it wrong. I don't know. Let's see. It is up there. No, then do the next. Did I have another one up there after that or no? Nope, I didn't put it up there. That's why. Okay. I'll read it to you word for word instead of my own remembering it. Don't worry about defending yourself or how to answer their accusations. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart. And in that very moment, he will reveal what you are to say. Hmm. I'm wanting the Holy Spirit to have access to my heart. Huh. Maybe, like I said, maybe this message for me when I was first hearing it from God, I'm like, this seems almost like trite, God. Like, don't say curse words. So like, I've heard this all before growing up. Careful what comes out of my mouth. But even as I was praying this morning, the Lord reminded me, I don't think I have it on the slide. You can turn there if you want to make sure I'm quoting it correctly. Isaiah chapter 6. You guys know this one? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The story of Isaiah. And he goes into the throne room of God. And he hears the thunderings. And everything is shaking. And he sees the seraphim, right? The, these angels that are declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And he recognizes all this worship is going on of God. And what is recorded that comes out of Isaiah's mouth? Woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, living amongst people of unclean lips. As I read that, I was reminded that he says, I'm undone, it actually could be translated, I'm cut off, same word. As Isaiah is brought into the presence of God, he hears all this angelic worship, and he says, this instrument of praise can't join in. I can't, I'm cut off from the praise and worship of God because my mouth has uttered things that it ought not. I have unclean lips. Things have come out of this mouth that should never have come out of my mouth. So how can I praise God in this moment? And what takes place next? An angel takes a coal from the altar. says, here, it's touched your lips. You have been forgiven. You've been cleansed. And I love the next verse. It says, and then, that's how it starts off. After he was cleansed and forgiven, his lips were touched. It says, and then he heard the voice of God say, I wonder how many of us can't hear the voice of God because our own voice is not clean and pure. 
We keep saying, God, speak to me. Tell me things. I want wisdom. Speak to me. And he's like, yeah, obey me. Watch your mouth. Cleanse it. Purify it. Don't slander. Hmm. In fact, yeah, I'll ask Daniel and the worship team to come up as we kind of finish this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you, right? I know for me, specifically, it's that word slander. I said this last week, and I finally just told the Holy Spirit, okay, stop, I, I got it, I got it. It wasn't just last week. It was the week before and the week before. He's refining. I guess for me, I want to bring this into context. This isn't just an isolated one Sunday morning and then we move on to the next thing. It is connected to Easter. If we've given our lives to God, that means we've given our mouths to God. If we are Christ's followers, we've got to learn how to say only what we hear the Father say. Before Jesus returns, this isn't a whole message on eschatological end times. But I'm just wondering if the Lord is preparing his bride before he returns, and this is a bigger deal to him than we give credit for. Oh, yeah, I just, I mean, it just came out. No big deal. And God is saying, actually, it's a very big deal. What comes out of your mouth is a very big deal. And I feel like as we kind of close this service, the Lord wants to do two things. One is he wants to be like that story of Isaiah. He wants to cleanse some of our lips. We can't do it on our own. Yes, I can put forth effort to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, right? Sanctification is a process. But there's also deliverance. There's also when the Lord just comes in and he does a supernatural work. And I want it to be together. I want to do my part to guard my mouth. But I also want in this moment not to walk the way I did these last couple weeks. That there is a difference in the way I speak about other people. I want it to be radical to my own self. That I stop and I say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Spirit of wisdom, search my heart. You give me the words to say. Before I open my mouth, may they actually be Holy Spirit-led words. See, I love that. I said two things. I think he wants to cleanse our lips. But then he wants to fill our mouth, fill our mouths with good things. He doesn't just want to remove. He wants to replace. I, I don't want this to be an emotional charge. But if you know the Holy Spirit is convicting you like he has been me, and you know that you want to respond. You want to be like Isaiah. And you want to be able to truly bless the Lord with no hindrance. With nothing in the way. So that you can actually hear the word of the Lord with clarity. Can I just, whether it's one of you or everybody, you know who you are that you just want to respond. Would you just come forward? I just want to pray over myself and you together. That there would be a cleansing of our mouths.
And I'll say, if you're joining us online, I'm just going to invite you to join. Maybe just put your hand on your mouth as a sign that you're responding to the word of the Lord this morning. In fact, I'm going to invite everybody to do that, whether you came forward or not. All of us in the room and all of us online, would you just put your hands near your mouth? And let's just talk to the Lord. Jesus, we recognize that our mouths are not clean. They're not pure vessels. And in this moment, we recognize I cannot do it on my own. Forgiveness is not something I earn or I deserve. It's something I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that I need a savior. I need someone to cleanse my lips. I can't do it on my own. So Jesus, I ask, purify not just my heart, purify my mouth. Cleanse me. I want to be holy and righteous. So forgive me of what has come out of my mouth in the past. And I consecrate my mouth to you, Jesus. My mouth belongs to you. I let go of the right to defend myself. I let go of the right to tell people where they're wrong. Jesus, I will not accuse my brothers. As you said, I'm not going to find the speck and speak of their speck when I got a log in my own eye. So Holy Spirit, would you right now do a supernatural work to cleanse my mouth? Take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. I present myself to you. All that I am is yours, including my mouth. May it be a vessel that praises you, that honors you all the day long. God, I pray specifically for those who do have a problem with cursing. God, I pray that just as I've heard testimonies of people that were drug addicts, they were addicted to things, and in a moment, you took it away. God, I pray those that are addicted to saying bad words, it just comes out of their mouth. God, I pray for a holy deliverance right now. Remove the addiction. That no unwholesome speech or vulgar words would come out of their mouth ever again. That Holy Spirit, you would remove it. And God, I pray you would do the second thing right now. Would you fill our mouths with good things? As we said, that our lips would ever praise you. That our lips would be filled with the praises of God. So I am believing in right now, God, as we just choose to worship you with this last song, that you're going to fill our mouths with a new song. Some of us are going to sing a new worship song to the Lord right now today. Some of us are going to sing in a heavenly language or speak in a heavenly language. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe we already have the gift and it's going to be a whole new way of speaking in a heavenly language. God, would you fill our mouths, replace our mouths with good things that we would exalt you, we would bless the Lord at all times. Even when things go wrong, even when we're persecuted, even when we are slandered, our mouths are going to bless you, Lord. Our mouths are going to glorify you and exalt you. God, we offer our mouths to you. Take them, transform them. May we only speak what your word says, what we hear the Holy Spirit say. So we sing this song 
with our mouths being filled with good things. And would you continually fill it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Would you stay here and just begin to sing, begin to sing.